Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the True North CFL podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Leach. Follow me on Twitter at aka Jimmy Leach. I'm Taylor Curry, and you can follow me at TaylorCurrySK on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm Carter Kennington. You can follow me on Instagram at Carter Kennington. And so for our socials for the podcast, which we recently released, Taylor, would you care to plug those? Yeah, sure. Our uh, our Instagram is True North CFL Podcast, and our Twitter is True North CFL Pod. So go give us a follow. And be sure, once you're done listening to the show, to like, share, and subscribe. We're available on Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. It's basically everywhere people get their podcasts. So we're just going to jump in here. For our first segment, we're going to talk about the first game of last week. Hamilton crushed Edmonton 42-12. to Now, guys, uh, with the deadline being, as we record this tomorrow... But when it, this comes out, obviously it'll be on that day. It'll be. Uh, it'll actually be uh, just finished. Exactly. It'll be yeah. just yeah. just done right as this podcast release. I know, great timing, right? But yeah. Well, Edmonton make a trade for a QB at the deadline. Uh, I just think it depends how bad Trevor Harris is hurt. If they think he's going to make playoffs, or if he's going to miss playoffs, sorry, then I think they go for somebody. But if they think he's back, then I think they keep it how it is. Um, I, I don't think they're going to make a trade with someone just because I feel like we would have heard sort of, you know, the rumblings of it by now, you know, like we would have seen someone on Twitter because you know how secretive Michael Shea is with his lineup, but we've heard that they wanted to get Caleros and then they countered with Franklin with Toronto and that. So I feel like yeah. we would have heard something similar with Edmonton if they were trying to make a play for a QB. True. I think it depends on the health of Trevor Harris and how confident with the Eskimos are, they can make the playoffs without him. Uh, I think they're going to struggle, honestly. I think BC has a genuine shot at slipping in. They definitely so, do. I think they consider it. Do I think they do it, though? Again, I'm not sure. It just it depends on how they're feeling on that day, in my opinion. And if someone calls them with a quarterback saying, Hey, we got you know this guy. What do you want to give us for him? As mentioned, Toronto is selling quarterbacks. They have, you know, Kalaros and Franklin. So maybe whichever one doesn't go to Winnipeg, Edmonton's like, okay, this is going to be our consolation prize or whatever. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, you don't really want to go into the playoffs with a quarterback that's throwing one touchdown and three picks a game. It's just not going to go good for you. Yep. So does Ga- uh, does Dane Evans give Hamilton a hard decision this offseason season? At QB, you know, do they stick with him and let Mazzoli walk? Or what do you do if you're the Thai Cats right now? See, it's tough. Like, I really thought that uh, Hamilton would step down quite a bit after losing Jeremiah Mazzoli, but they're the best team in the league still. They've kept it up. Dane Evans is proving week in and week out now that he should be a starter. So do you keep Mazzoli that's going to cost you probably double what Dane Evans is going to cost you or do you keep Dane Evans and let Mazzoli walk like me personally I like Mazzoli so I would do what I could to keep him but he's not going to be the same after an ACL tear so it's going to be really interesting to see what happens um I'm thinking that with Mazzoli 
Um, well, every week with Dane Evans, I mean, you're, every week that he does well, you're looking at that that sort of price tag is going up every single week where he has another performance like this because it's looking more and more consistent, I think. Yeah. Yep. So I'm sort of starting to think. I I personally, I feel like Dane Evans will be going somewhere else. I just think that Hamilton's got too much faith in Masoli. You know, I feel like yeah. They've, yeah. Sort of, they've sort of started to build Masoli like, okay, like, you know, Masoli's like, he was sort of, you know, he was a, he was the backup here, earned the starting gig, and now he's like in that MOP conversation, and that was all because of Hamilton. So I think they want to keep that in Hamilton, keep that story there. Yeah. Keep, keep yeah like he... Go ahead. No, I, and I was just thinking that Dane Evans is probably going to, I could see Dane Evans making a move, and I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Toronto finds their franchise guy in Dane Evans. Ooh. That's it. Um, for me, they are both, I'm pretty sure they're both in contract years, because Dane Evans has been there for two years, and usually rookies are on two-year deals, so they'd both be in contract, kind of, they'd both be in a contract year, so, what I, I agree with Carter, I think they value Mazzoli a fair bit, and I think you keep him, despite the fact Dane Evans has been great, and... You know, at first he started off a little streaky, like he'd have a couple good games, and he'd just play kind of a goose egg, but he's torched some of the better defenses as of recently, so I think he maybe, yeah, walks in free agency and goes to greener pastures like Ottawa maybe or Toronto. Oh yeah, he's. Uh, I think he's going to get offered more money from other teams if he walks versus if he tried to stay in Hamilton. Oh yeah, no well- doubt. Yeah. But here's here's the thing with Dane Evans. Uh in April this year he signed an extension with Hamilton through twenty twenty one. Oh really? so he's under contract. Okay. That yeah, changes. Is your, yeah, Mazzoli's your free agent this year, so Okay, then yeah, in that case I would let uh I'd let Mazzoli walk and roll with Dane. Yeah, I don't wanna try and hold on to both of them. That's just too much. Well yeah. actually, if you signed Dane Evans before, you probably didn't spend too much on him. So you no. might be able to hold both and have a dual threat. Yeah, no, that's true. That's very true. Because, I mean, Mizzoli was making, let's see, two-year deal worth $700,000. So 235 and the second year was 335 So, Ooh. I mean, you got Dane signed already. You're, like, Mizzoli can't break the bank after tearing his ACL. So I think yeah. that, yeah, like, they could go with a dual threat. That's a good take. I could see a team paying a good amount for him. Like, I could see Ottawa shelling out, you know, give, oh, handing yeah. him a blank check and say, put whatever you want on here because we need a quarterback, you know? Or even Absolutely. Winnipeg, you know. I've heard rumors that they're really interested in Jeremiah Mazzoli, so maybe they, you know, find a way to get him in there and neither Struggler or Nichols is there next year. So guys, another big question from this game. What's up with CJ Gable? Uh he hasn't hit a hundred rushing yards since week nine. Yeah, it's really interesting. Like he started off the year hot, hundred and fifty four yards, hundred and eleven yards, but his carries have slowly went down with the team. I mean, they fed him two weeks ago against Ottawa. He had ninety yards, but they had to give him the ball twenty times, so uh, it's really tough. Maybe it's just not the CJ Gable we're used to anymore. Maybe he's just catching up with him or something. Yeah, I was gonna say like uh, the big thing is I feel like the carries have gone down. Like, I mean, 
you know, average of 4.3 yards per carry for CJ Gable this past game. That's not bad, but when you're only giving him the ball 11 times a game, you know, getting three three touches a quarter, I feel like that just isn't enough for him, you know? Yeah, true. Um, that lack of volume certainly hurts. Um, also, the fact that CJ Gable isn't really an explosive back. Like, he's not someone that I think is, is a guy that's going to take it to the house. He's more of a guy that's going to pound you on the ground and get, like, five to six yards per yeah, carry, you know what I mean? He'll give, he'll give you a lot of, like, second and manageable situations. Yeah, like, as opposed to someone like Shaq Cooper, who is a very explosive running back. I think that's also why, too, and I think, you gotta remember, C.J. Gable's getting up there, too, right? So, it's 31 it could, years old. Yeah, it could just be the fact that maybe he's got a bit too much mileage and is starting to slow down as kind of the season progresses. Yeah, it's it's just really interesting, though. It seems to have taken a turn after week six, because... The first four weeks of Edmonton's season, he had over 17 carries a game, and then it dropped off to 8, 8, 18, 15, 12, 10, 12, 11. Like, it's, the number's almost been cut in half, and sometimes lower, so... Yeah, it's really interesting to see what they're doing with him. And he's only scored two touchdowns this year. And that was in one game. It's, it's weird how, it, in Edmonton's situation... Like, with, you know, the quarterback situation and everything. It's weird how they're giving him the ball less. Right? Yeah. I think they'd be, you know, trying to use it more. Especially with a lot of those Edmonton receivers, their numbers have gone down a fair bit since Kilgore's taken over. So it's like, you would think that's because, oh, maybe they're pounding it to Gable more. Nope. It's just, (laughs) yep. How it is right now for Edmonton. So the second game of the week, uh, Montreal beat Calgary in a relatively close game, 21-17. to Now, guys, how did VA look in his return after his one-game suspension? Uh, I think he looked pretty good, you know, coming off uh, a week where he had off there because of the suspension and then coming back to play Calgary. Uh, like, he completed 62% of his passes. Didn't throw a touchdown, didn't throw a pick either, though, and he had a rushing touchdown, so... Overall, I'd say he, uh, you know, he, his team got the win, so I think he played pretty well. I mean, yeah, anytime you're going to be able to best Calgary, especially when they're in their like late season Terminator mode, you know, I feel like I feel like that's a plus for you. Um, but yeah, I think I think he did pretty well. I, not much I can say there, you know, no touchdowns, no interceptions, but yeah, yeah just sort of. Well, I I think it's. Uh, I think I was expecting a little bit more, but I'm not complaining. Yeah. Yeah. Like, VA, he's he's a winner. That's just what he does. So, in that way, I don't think he lost a step this game. But yeah, no touchdowns, no interceptions. That, that doesn't help, but I mean, again, they did enough to win the game. So, I don't think he lost a step. I thought he looked good at what I saw. Now, guys, in your opinion, who is Calgary's number one receiver and why? See, that's interesting. Just because they've went through so many guys this year and so many guys have been hurt. Like, overall, uh, stats, sorry. Um, overall, like, Reggie Bagleton, their best so far, you know, 1,100 yards, seven touchdowns. But Eric Rogers has been there kind of the most this year, not being hurt, but... You see people like Josh Hupp stepping up uh, lately. 
and Mayala. And I mean, even Richardson Danny's not playing bad, but overall, I'm going to go with Reggie Bagleton throughout this whole season for them. He's just, I mean, some of the games, you know, he had over 200 yards. So, yeah, I just, I just think Reggie Bagleton has been the most consistent. You can make a case for Eric Rogers. I'm not going to. Um, <laughs> I, I, I just think Reggie Bagleton, you know, he's, he was that, you know, how much was he on fantasy a couple weeks back? He was like almost eleven. Yeah, 11, yeah, he was eleven thousand. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, there's a reason why he's that number. He's yeah. like one of, if not the best, in the league. You know. Yeah, Ooh. that's true. I would say it's a bold statement, but there's there's substance to it. <laughs> I <laughs> that's agree. True. Yeah, since we all kind of agree about Bagleton being their top receiver, then who has been their best fill-in receiver for starters? Because we've seen Markeith Ambles is out for the season. Juwan Breskinson went down, among others. So who would you guys say has been the best fill-in for Calgary? I mean, uh, Josh Huff hasn't played every game, but every game he's played in, he's he's done pretty well. You know, he's got four or five catches a game and uh, a decent amount of yards for not being in the CFL that long. So uh, that's a tough one. I mean, Eric Rogers, uh, yeah. I, no, I'm going to stick with Josh Huff as of late. He's He's been stepping up for them. Uh, you're making me sound like I'm stealing all your answers. I was really hoping that you were going to switch <laughs> last second so I could take Huff. But, I mean, you know, you're sitting here and it's, it's you know, not one of your starting receivers. Nine receptions, 149 yards, and a touchdown with, a, with like, with the longest catch of 43. That's, like, that's crazy for, like, a backup receiver. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I would say it's actually one of the national receivers who's been kind of replacing that Jawan Breskinson role. Because he was a pretty good receiver at the start of the year, but unfortunately he's been hurt for a while. Um, I say it's either Herji Mayala or Colton Hunchuk. Because oh. Mayala has gotten better as the season's gone on. Um, he's kind of been starting at the field wide receiver spot, and then he's also mixed in in that slot spot too. So he's been he's been a lot better now, and looking pretty good uh and again colton hunchuck whenever he's played he's also looked good so i would say it's one of the two national receivers good point now uh of these two teams which do you think has a better chance of going to the gray cup calgary or montreal see i think it's montreal but it's it's going to be really close and i'll explain um like Montreal should have no problem beating BC or Edmonton in the playoffs when that time comes, but then you have to go to Hamilton. And that is a tough place to play, especially in the playoffs. Now, Calgary is Calgary, so you can't ever count them out, but you're going to be playing a really good Saskatchewan team, and you're going to be playing possibly a pretty good Winnipeg team, defense-wise. No offense, Carter, but... No, I respect uh, that. I respect <laughs> that statement. <laughs> But it's, yeah, so I, I say Montreal, but it's it's not that far apart between. Uh, yeah, I mean, because I just think Montreal's got that one easier game in the semifinal. I'm going to say that it's more likely that Montreal makes it as opposed to Calgary. I mean, it could it could be Calgary versus Montreal in the Grey Cup this year. I yeah. would personally hate it if Calgary made it to the Grey Cup again, but I mean, yep. it could. It could happen. I, I think everyone would hate it except for Calgary. Yeah, at yeah, this pretty point, much. yeah, they've made it so many times. I'm just, I'm so sick of Calgary and Grey that's, Cups. That's, 
that's when you know the entire league starts rooting for the Eastern team. Yeah. Literally every other team yeah. is like, Well, it's like they're the New England Patriots of the Canadian football league. They just always make it so a lot of people get turned off. Because it's just like, yeah. oh, I'm sick of these guys, you know? But if we're talking about who has a better chance, I'm looking at the matchups. Montreal, they're playing one of Edmonton or BC, and then they're going to play Hamilton. And you look at Calgary and their road to the Grey Cup, they are going to either be playing both of Saskatchewan and Winnipeg or just one of those teams. And I think that's a more difficult road than what Montreal has in front of them. So if we're just talking odds, I say it's Montreal. Um, well, and... Go ahead. Oh, no, you... Okay, okay. I, I mean, if you're Calgary, if you are, like, a lot of people say that, you know, Winnipeg is... I mean, and rightfully so. You could say Winnipeg's the easier game out of those two. But if your defense sleeps for a second and you let Strebler get the wheels going then that game gets 10 times harder than what it should be for them. Yeah, That's absolutely. what I'm thinking with that. Like, that's why I think that Calgary has a slightly tougher road because like, I feel like Winnipeg has a better chance of beating Calgary than BC or Edmonton would have a chance of beating Montreal. Well, and I think the thing is, too, it depends Like, if Calgary loses home field advantage and they have to go to Winnipeg. No matter what Winnipeg's offense looks like, that is a tough place to play. They've so, only dropped then, one on the road, this, uh, one at home this year, I mean. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And Saskatchewan, I think, is the same, too. So it's like it's tough going to those places. So, yeah, Montreal. So for the following game... Saskatchewan crushed Winnipeg on their home turf, uh, 21-6 at Mosaic Stadium. Um, so guys, with Strebler struggling, does Winnipeg have to acquire another quarterback? Uh, I, I think you gotta bring someone in just for the playoffs, and I'm not saying to start over Strebler, he's been in the system for two years now, so you gotta roll with him, but some insurance would be nice. Um, I think we'll talk about it in news a little bit, but they're inquiring on some quarterbacks. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they're looking to get Zach Claro. So, um, yeah, I, I think they need somebody to back them up. McGuire is their backup, but, I mean, has he even thrown a pass that counts in this league? So, they got, yeah, they got to be a little careful. with. I mean, I think they see they obviously see something in McGuire because he's been around for a little bit now. I think this is his second or third year. I want to say that. I thought so, he was a raw third... rookie. I don't, I don't think so. I think he's been here for a year. Okay. Um, so like, I think they see something in him. So, But yeah, having that, third, having that third QB from somewhere else would be a nice touch. But yeah, you got to stick with Strebler for now and hopefully be able to stick with them. Be semi-consistent going into the playoffs. Strebler seems to be struggling a lot recently, so I would definitely bring in a quarterback to at least challenge for that job come closer to playoff time. Because Winnipeg's basically a lock for the playoffs, if not. Yep, they yeah, are. They are they a lock, they clinched? Yeah. Okay, good, yep. So. Uh, just a little little stat, Sean McGuire signed with the Bombers May 15th, 2019. Uh, okay. Tried out for yep. like the Vikings and the Dolphins. He has never thrown a pass in the CFL. Okay, yeah, okay, so he well, is a raw rookie my... then. I retract yeah. my statement then. Yep. He's 23 years old, so that'd be just scary if anything happened to Strebler. For no offense to him, but for that to be like who's trying to get you to the Great Cup? Yeah. 
And I definitely think you need an experienced backup or just someone to push Traveler, like I said, because he's exactly. been struggling recently. So, I mean, if he persists with that, you could pull him and put someone else in to play. Yeah. So, on to the rider side of the ball here. With Shaq having over 200 yards receiving, is he a top five receiver in the league now? Why or why not? Uh, hands down, he's top five in the league. Uh, I don't think he, I don't think you can really ask. I mean, to me, his competition is Brian Burnham, who is a great receiver, but isn't helping his team uh, in the start of the season. He didn't help them much. And then it's Braylon Addison and Shaq Evans. Like those are my top three in no particular order. Um, you know, Addison has been outstanding this year, and uh, Shaq Evans. I mean, such a step forward from last year. Didn't even score a touchdown last year. He's got five touchdowns this year, and he broke a thousand yards. So I think it's not a question of top five. I think it's a question of top three. Um, yeah, I agree with that. Is that do you know if the do you know if the CFL does a uh, like do you know for their like year end awards? Do they have a most improved player? No, no, no. That's something they, they should, be, they should they have. Should, yeah, and it should be Shaq Evans. Yeah, because a hundred percent it should be. Um, but yeah, I I agree with uh with that top three that you gave and. Yeah, I mean, really, you know, there's. I feel like this year, more than most, there were like just a surge of these players who, like, you know, last year were sort of just, you know, in the background, and now they're really hitting their stride. Yeah. But yeah, and Shaq's leading that charge. True, for sure. I think, I think he's a top five for sure. Top three, I think it's debatable, but he's definitely a top five for me. Um, now. I got another question just because we were talking about most improved player. Um, when do the CFL, when do they give out their awards for that kind of I, thing? I think it's right before the, like, I think it's the week before the Grey Cup. Yeah, it's Grey Cup week. They do it, I think, on the Saturday night before the, before the game on Sunday. Okay, because I'm thinking we do a, our own little award show. Oh. And then we can add that most improved player in there because I think we're all going to have very different opinions on that because Jack's definitely improved a lot, but I don't think he's the most improved player of the entire year. And if we ever do that, I'm just not going to spoil who I think it is right now. Oh. But Yeah, no, we'll definitely have I, that I like, in a future like episode. Idea, yeah, we'll yeah. have that in and let, let us know in comments. Maybe we'll make a post about it soon or that week we'll kind of – but all the different awards we're going to have, and it's like, okay, one post will be like, who do you think should win this? And then who do you think should win that? You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. We could definitely probably do something like that. Um, oh, we will. Yeah, fans, let us know. All right? And we might do that. And then for our last question about this game, Winnipeg's defense played decent for the first half, then kind of... And started to come out in the second half. They started to kind of fold and, I guess, get tired. Why do you think that is? Um, well, I think they were a little, little gassed. I mean, it was a really, like, it was a very big defensive battle the whole game, but they let up those 13 points in the second half that kind of killed it. But I think one of the big things for, like, a positive for the Riders and a negative for uh, the Bombers is that the Riders kept... Uh, they kept Willie Jefferson off the stat sheet completely. Like they focused in on him, and he didn't have one stat. So I think that played a very big part in it. Um. Yeah. I mean, I'm. I'm personally. I think it's just the fact that um, the defense played. Um, 
Uh, how do I even word this right? I think that it's more Saskatchewan going into the locker room at halftime and saying, like, this is what we got to do to start, you know, getting those points on the board. And the reason why we're talking about that and not why both teams picked it up is because Winnipeg just couldn't do the same thing. Yeah, that's true. Um, I just think this was a defensive battle for most of the game because until the Shaq Evans touchdown, it was just field goals and rouges that were being scored this entire game. Yeah, it was kinda... yeah that's, that's, that's what I was going to say. I, di- I didn't really agree with your term of uh, rushed because uh, that insinuates that it was along the same lines as the Hamilton-Edmonton game, which yeah, I don't no, think was it was. It? No, it was a slugfest um, for most of the game, but at the very end, Saskatchewan started to pull away, and it was pretty yeah. clear what was like you could, the game was you could almost happen. You could almost you could like almost claim that the last Saskatchewan touchdown was garbage time. I wouldn't, but you could make I that argument. I wouldn't either, because Winnipeg just had, I think, a field goal that drive before, and they were... Close to kind of you know if they if they get a touchdown on this next drive they're back in it and they almost did, uh, uh the drive before but just... with L J McRae coming up clutch with that T S N turning point there that kind of sealed the Bombers' fate uh in my yeah. opinion and the Riders capitalized on that drive and they kind of they after that they kind of asserted it's like we're winning this you know oh yeah hundred percent yeah. Scoreboard-wise, uh, that score does not look good for Winnipeg. That's why oh, no, I, I worded it the way I did. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Let's, uh, let's move on. This Thinking about this makes me sad. <laughs> <laughs> well, we still, I still got to answer this question here. So, um, Well, Winnipeg's defense, we talked about this on a show before, that they look like they're slowing down the second half of the year. And the game before this... Uh, tell me if I'm wrong here, but Dane Evans torched them, so... Yeah, 33-13, yeah. Maybe someone's found a chink in the Winnipeg's defense's armor, and they're just... Everyone knows now, and they're exploiting it. I think they may have gotten complacent ever since uh, Big Hill came back, because remember, he missed a chunk of the beginning of the year, but that's when they were really, like, on top of their game. Oh, yeah, it could be that. Well, it almost seems, too, that things almost took a turn... When the whole Andrew Harris thing came, you know, like they were, they were rolling pretty good. And then the whole steroid thing came out and things just slowly shifted there. But I want to throw this out while I have a chance. Um, This just seems confusing to me. The leading receiver for Winnipeg is Kenny Lawler. Wow. Well, I mean, he did. He did. He did have that one game with uh with like ten receptions. Yeah, he went on over many yards. But I mean, they have two receivers over five hundred yards this year, and the closest after is Andrew Harris. So I mean, I know he's a receiving back, but I I expected more to like Drew Walatarski and Chris Matthews when he was there. But I yeah, I just things aren't clicking yeah. there as much as they should be. Well, I mean, Walatarski was productive when Nichols was there. It's just Strudler's not the type of Again, he's a run first kind of guy, or like first reading go. So, well, it's that's, weird because I think it has a lot to do with it. Well, Strevler and Walatarski were teammates in college. Really? So it's oh, weird. You think you'd, you'd think they'd have that chemistry? Well, and especially like Strevler threw the ball forty times last game. Like that—that's wow. quite a bit for him. Can like for regular, like he ran twelve times, but he he tried to throw it forty times, only got twenty six completed, but. 
That's uh, I, that's a high throwing number. It's like they're I wanna, testing it out. I want to have a word with whoever decided to have Strebler throw that number. Yeah, because he's looking. He's look. They're trying to play him more like a conventional quarterback these last two games because he threw for about three hundred. They didn't run too much uh, last game either, so it oh, was. Oh yeah, he only ran twelve times for forty-eight yards. So. Yeah, so I think someone's in their ear said, "Hey, let's try to turn Strebler into a more conventional quarterback," and it's just like it's not working. You know, so I think they go back to the old formula, and they were winning games. Yeah, and then it makes you wonder, is that a Paul Laplace decision or a Mike O'Shea decision? Because a little off-topic, but I heard a small rumor today with all the movement in Toronto that they might be looking at Mike O'Shea, as, or not Mike O'Shea, sorry. Uh, yeah, sorry, Mike Lapo. O'Shea as the head coach, yeah, but in Toronto. Wait, Lapo, really? Lapo in Toronto, or did you, no, did you say they're going to poach O'Shea? Oh, okay, that's it's, interesting. Yeah. Was well, this so contract? Oh, yes. Yeah, is this contract up this year? I don't. Uh, I don't think so. Year. No, no, no. Both of them. Um, O'Shea and I remember this. Uh, just because, like, a couple of years back, I remember Mike O'Shea and uh, Kyle Walters. They both both signed. I know one of them is through till twenty twenty, oh, and one of them is here till twenty twenty one. Yeah. Well, I thought they both ended the same year, because everyone was talking about that. Oh, hold on. Here we go. The Winnipeg Bombers, they announced Kyle Walters and Mike O'Shea is with the club through 2020. Okay. And okay, yeah. O'Shea's agreement keeps him on the sidelines through 2019. Oh, oh okay. So, yeah, maybe they could mean? get him in the offseason. Well, and if you remember in the offseason, the Riders wanted to interview Paul Police for the head coaching job, and the Bombers said no, and he seemed pretty mad about that, so... Maybe he kind of gives them an ultimatum this offseason, too. Like, look, like I want to be a head coach again. Sort of like so. uh, what happened with Orlando Steinauer and Hamilton, right? Uh, yeah. Basically, they knew he was either going to leave because he's way too good to just be a coordinator or, you know, make him the head coach. So they initially split it with him and June Jones, and then June left. So Orlando became the kind of the head coach. You know. Yeah, and it worked out for them. It did. They're they're doing pretty well. Yeah, and June Jones is getting ready to coach in the XFL coming up. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> we'll see how him long and that Mark Tressman. Yeah, him and Mark Tressman. All right, That'll over under. Oh, and Jamie Elizondo, but over under. How long does that league last? Uh, one year. Over one, under. Oh. I'm sitting in the middle. It's last under a year. That's it. Like they'll get through a season, and I think that'll be it. I'm sorry. Can you repeat that? I. I had a mic issue. Okay, uh, basically, over under on how long the XFL is going to last, uh, one season. Uh, I'm going to go over because I think that with the AAF folding, I think, I think Vince McMahon's sort of going to get his stuff together. And I mean, he hired an actual, like an actual football commissioner. Oliver like, Luck, yeah, Andrew yeah. Luck's dad. Um, Vince McMahon's literally just sort of, instead of him being like, you know, the decision maker, he's just sat in the back making money from, I think, is what he should have done in the first place. That's true. Um, if anyone's learned from the failures of the XFL, it's probably Vince McMahon. So, I think he's. I think it lasts. I think it lasts two to three years. I think it lasts. Oh, part of me wants to say one year because the AF couldn't even make it for a full year. But uh, but that's because they had no money. That that like, uh, they all, had some all... deep pocketed owners. Yeah, but Vince has taken out shares of WWE and put in three hundred million of his own money at least. Yeah, like Vince has got deeper pockets. That's why I'm I'm gonna say it at least lasts one year because even if they're bleeding cash, 
Yeah. He'll probably like, be able to keep it going for one year. Yeah. Like the so AAF I'm going to go bomb. over. I say they last a season and a half. I think they're going to uh, fold. <laughs> if uh, midway through their second season. Yeah. A quick like, note, too. The XFL just came out with their list of uh, draft pool players. Oh, I saw that. And Yeah, there's a couple of former CFL players like Jay Keeps, David Cobb. Uh, the biggest one would probably be Dexter McCoyle, uh, Taylor Reed, Terrence Bullitt, and uh, Natai Rogers and Quinton Gaze. So, and there's actually one current CFL player, Montreal offensive tackle, Chris Schluger. So that could be interesting to see if anyone I'm leaves surprised. to go down there. I'm surprised the Leggett didn't try to get in on that. No doubt, hey. Well, I mean, he's probably coming back up here, honestly. Like, I don't know why he's in the Arena League and not in the CFL right now. Well, I mean, the it doesn't make any over, sense. So. Like, he's good. And he tore up the Arena League when he got there. He only played a couple games, but he, he like, he played, torched like, three everyone. Games, but he broke a championship record. Yeah, he had yeah. a pick six in the championship game down there. Yeah, so he's, he's a guy that I know Moncrief's going probably to the NFL next oh, year yeah. for the Riders. So maybe he's a guy they lo- they're they looking at and being like, you know, hey, we're probably going to bring this guy in. Just hope I'd take him like for sure. Why, why do y'all steal all our defensive players? First you take Joe Von Johnson. Bruh, bruh, and uh, bruh. You, you me, just Winnipeg, had Willie Jefferson. <laughs> yeah, Winnipeg is just full of washed-up riders. No That's offense, true. That yeah, is like, so oh, true. Hey, all I'm, saying, all, Nick I'm is, all I'm saying is Saskatchewan's a farm team. Bro, no, definitely not. No, well, you get our wash, you get our sloppy yeah, second players. Exactly. You guys yeah. just like those Saskatchewan sloppy. Yeah, second. yeah, like Patrick Newfeld. Like yeah. really, man. Joshua Hardrick. He had Randy Dude, Richards Patty at Neufeld. one point. Don't, don't be talking trash about Patty Newfeld. Bro, bro, we got Brandon Labatt, and uh, even our rookies are probably better than Pat Newfeld. This this one I don't like, but Sam Hurl. I mean, we swapped him a couple times. Oh, that was that was a bust. Yeah. Yeah, not a fan. He actually might start in place of Cam Judge this week, unfortunately. Oh, man, that's going to hurt. I, I, I honestly think they should start Brandon Barlett over him. Yeah. Oh, and then one more thing before we end this segment. Um, Is it me, or did Andrew Harris not look as strong in this game? Not at all. Like, I, I don't know if it was Saskatchewan's defense or... The anabolics are wearing off, or it was just an <laughs> off game. But eleven carries, sixty-seven yards, and uh, where's his? Yeah, he only had four catches for four yards. So uh, definitely an off game for him. But yeah, I mean, time will tell if it was just against Saskatchewan or what. But yeah, not a good performance at all. Yeah, same deal. Same deal as with uh, Gable. Give him the ball more. Yeah, absolutely true. But I think he looked weak because he got taken down a lot on the first. You know, guy there. Whereas Harris is usually fighting off guys and getting those extra yards. He wasn't this game. But that's so I feel like sort of gotta hurt your morale a little bit, though. True. I mean, maybe like, he just if, knows there's a drug test coming up. You know. If, well, <laughs> he's got he's got to play safer, so he tested. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, he exactly. has to do mandatory testing now because he got caught. So maybe. Maybe he's just like, all right, yo, I gotta, I gotta test, you know, tomorrow. I can't take this, you know, this week. And so maybe <laughs> no, that's why he's looking like gotta, a thirty-year-old running back now. It's, it's gonna hurt your morale when you, like, when you go in, you get hit on the first guy, you go down, and like the first thing that I'm thinking, if I'm Winnipeg, feed him the ball again, you know, sort of work up that confidence. Yeah. That's not really what happened. He only got eleven touches, so and, and oh, yeah. in those. 
scarce touches, he would get hit, immediately go down, get up, and then he would just sort of think, wow, that sucked, and then he couldn't really build off of anything. Yeah, that's true, too. I I, I honestly don't know, because a lot of people think that he was doing those steroids for a long time, and they just caught him now because they kind of started testing when Randy Ambrosi came back, whereas under Orage, they didn't test. So the theory is maybe they found something under Orage, and then he just got caught now. I know a lot of vets are sort of saying that. What do you guys have to say to that? Especially Carter, the Bomber fan. Oh, what do you got, Carter? Um, I, you know, you know what I got. I got. Then why was he in the 2011 Grey Cup? That's what I got. <laughs> Ooh. Um, um, that makes me sad. But, um, I mean, if if it comes out that he's been doing this for years, then he shouldn't be playing anymore. But I mean, personally, I'm gonna I'm gonna stand by him. He has been a really good force in the community in that. So it would suck to have someone who's been a good role model like that be, you know, someone like this. Yeah. So, I'm going to give him you know, the... Oh, yeah, Taylor, go ahead. Uh, Just a quick note about last game. I don't know if anyone else caught it, but it looked like it didn't happen because he kept playing after. Andrew Harris did hurt his arm during the game. He did That's leave true. the game for a portion, and he was holding his arm, so... Who knows, maybe that played a big role in it too, that they didn't want to give him the ball as much because he was in pain and hurting and they don't want him out long term. That could be too, honestly. Um, and I won't give Harris the benefit of the doubt too. It's just, I don't know, it, lo- it, it looks suspicious. And um, the one thing that's been bugging me is he still hasn't named the supplement, you know, that was supposedly tainted. You know. Well, and he sent it away for testing too. So I'm sure if the results come back bad, we won't ever hear another word about it again. Yeah. But if it's if That's it is contaminated. That's what I've been thinking. How long does that process take? He started that a couple of weeks ago. It depends yeah. on probably the amount of money he's willing to spend on it, and um, because DNA or certain samples they can take months to get back, and some can take a couple weeks. So it depends kind of the process he's using. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, It bothers me that he hasn't named the supplement because it's just like, you're, you're talking about education and lecturing people on that. It's like, well, then but, tell us, Andrew. You know, don't leave us but, in the dark. But if he names it and then it comes back clean, that company's going to be really upset with him because he named this company that they have bad stuff, but they really don't. That's so, true. I, That's I true. But waits. then that then he'd be caught in a lie, and he'd have to be like, "Okay, this is what I actually did." Yeah, exactly. Okay. So I think it's a lot of stuff, and he won't talk about it. And I think the only way he talks about it again, if it does come back that it was "quote unquote" contaminated. Yeah, I, I would have to that. Alright, so on to the final game of the week where I think this is uh, the fairest one to call a blowout. Um, BC slaughtered the Toronto Argonauts 55-8. to Now guys, uh, have the Argos officially given up on the season after this game? Well, I think they're officially not playing that much anymore. You put up 8 points in garbage time at the end of the game. It was embarrassing for Toronto to play that bad. Like, I know they're a bad team, but that was embarrassing. 
BC is not that good of a team, and you let them score 55 points on you. Mike Riley throws five touchdowns, and John White has over 120 rushing yards. And, I mean, Brian Burnham alone had 145 yards and three touchdowns. So, oh, I really think that they have given up. They're just waiting until that, uh, that last week comes so they can get back on their planes home. Uh yeah, I mean Toronto is uh, it, it they're done. They're they're done. I've been saying this for a while. Just talk the season. I think now they're finally going to do it. Um yeah, I mean you you give up fifty five against BC, which I mean BC's been looking better, but not fifty five to eight better. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, it. It just just give up, please. Trade away your quarterbacks. Yeah. So, like, true. Go ahead. Oh. Okay, I was gonna say they were talking on the waggle. Uh, James Wilder was on there, and they were like, he was talking about, "Oh, we actually believe we can make it." It's like, dude, even even the guy interviewing you didn't believe. Like, <laughs> aren't, they, aren't they statistically out now, though? Well, they are now. They are now. I don't think they were. I think they were like, "Oh that yeah, we're gonna win out," and then it's like, "No, no, you're not gonna win out." <laughs> no, so, they had yeah, no chance. Done. It's a bold strategy. Yeah. When when both your quarterbacks can't throw for over 100 yards like McLeod didn't play the whole game he threw 94 yards but James Franklin started six for nine 32 yards in an interception that is just not good true so um, the tough situation there uh their GM has a lot of work to do in the offseason for sure um oh yeah so with this dominating win you guys think BC can compete for a playoff spot still? Now, I'm I'm not here to toot my own horn, but a few weeks ago, I did say that BC would make the playoffs over Edmonton. I mean, Edmonton only has to win one game, and BC's eliminated. But with the schedules coming up, I really think that BC can pull it off. Still. Well, how many how many games do we each have left? Because you got to remember that the next like BC's playing Edmonton next, so. Oh. Yeah, BC plays Edmonton, and then, let's see. What are they got, and then like two Sask- games each after that? Uh, well, Saskatchewan is in BC the week after, and then uh, BC has a bye, and then they play Calgary in BC. Oh. And, yeah, so that's going to be tough for them. And then, I mean, Edmonton's schedule, they play BC this Saturday, and then they have a bye, and then it's Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan, home and home. So oh, it's yeah. going to be tough I mean, for Edmonton. Here's- Here's my thing. I think that like with BC, I would I would give them the edge of the schedule be just because I've said this before on this podcast. BC place is the twilight zone of the CFL. Absolutely. Any team can like any team can like beat BC there, but BC could also like destroy anybody. They could be they could be O and like 17 facing a 17 and O team and blow them out because yep. they're at home. Yeah, that's I don't know true. what powers they have for their Advantage, but it's ridiculous. Maybe they're still pumping in crowd noise from a couple of years ago. Oh, <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. I would not doubt that. But um, yeah, I think BC. I think they could honestly take that playoff spot from Edmonton. What are their current records uh, for both of them, Taylor? Well, that is a good question. I'll let you know right now. Uh, BC is sitting at five and ten, and Edmonton is sitting at seven and eight. Ooh, so BC has to catch up by one win or two wins. No, sorry, BC well, BC well, has to win, win out, and Edmonton has to lose out. That's that's what it okay. comes down to. Well, I can see Edmonton losing out, um, just because they're playing Sask, and I think BC. Spoiler alert! I think BC beats them, 
So I think BC just needs one win after that, because then it'd be um. Would they have, they would have six after that? So they would have to steal yeah. one from Saskatchewan or Calgary. See, I think I think it might come down. Like if BC wins, then I think BC has the record against Edmonton because right now BC is sitting at zero and seven in the division, like in division games. Oh. So so like BC's got to win that Edmonton game and then. They have to try to win the other games. But, I mean, yeah, with Edmonton, you got BC, bye week, Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan. So, it, it, like, it's, it's going to come down. There. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and what is BC? BC? It's BC uh, has Edmonton, bye week, um, Sask, and then you said Calgary? Yeah. Okay, yeah. ooh, yeah. I don't, I don't know. See, I think Edmonton loses there. I think, I don't know if BC can take one from Sask or Calgary. Well, see, Calgary goes to BC November 2nd. So they're in BC where anything, like Carter said, sorry, anything can happen there. So yeah, it's it's going to be a really entertaining finish to the season. Oh, no doubt. Especially if you're a Lions fan. Um, yeah. Now, who do you guys think the first to go in the offseason should be for Toronto? Well, we learned today on Tuesday that Jim Pop has been relieved of his duties. So we're not going to um, say he's replaced with yet, though. We have that coming no. up. Yeah. Um, I think that they're going to do a like. I honestly think they're going to do a full house sweep there. They're gonna they are going to clean out that place and they're going to start swapping people out. Like you might see people like Darrell Walker walk this year. He just makes too much money, and I mean James Wilder might leave. It might be mutual between them because he's not getting the carries. So, uh, I think like I don't think you can say one person because I think they're going to do a clean sweep of that place. Oh, this team's blowing up! Like this team and Ottawa are going to just like I don't know what are like what those teams are going to be next year. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, those... yeah. That's all. That's all I can say. Like, like I really have no idea what's going to happen. With they have so much work to do. I agree. Like, I mean, if you're comparing Toronto and Ottawa, I think Toronto at least has some better pieces there. But yeah, yeah, I just, I don't know. It's hard. Um, yeah, I think you have to completely blow up uh, the coaching staff, front office. Um, you're definitely gonna have to fix your personnel a little bit. Um, well, um, interesting news out of Toronto today too. Corey Chamberlain was asked if. Uh, if they asked him to take just the offensive coordinator job and not head coach, would he stay? Yeah, sorry. Uh, he said no. Like he would, He's only staying on as head coach and defensive coordinator. And if they try to strip him, he wants out. Oh, okay. So, yeah, he's probably gone then. Is yeah. That kind and of signals. I think Maple Leafs Sports Entertainment, like they're going to really try to put their hands on the team this year. And we'll talk about it later, but who they signed and why they did it. For their GM, like I think that they're really going to try to turn this franchise around. I don't think it's going to put fans in the seats, but they're going to try to turn the team. Yeah, I agree with that. And then um, for our final question about this game, uh, Mike Riley—he has the most passing yards and touchdowns in the league. Um, how is he successful, but his team has struggled? Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I think his defense is a big part of that blame. Like, you know, they've let up some pretty bad scores against them. Um, so, yeah, like, I think he's done what he's what he's been able to do, but he's also been 
hit for three quarters of the season. He was getting hit almost like basically every second play. So um, I don't, I don't think it's his fault. I really think it's not to put the blame on the rest of the team, but I, I think it's a lot of other factors. And the big one is the defense. Um, I'm thinking with, um, with Mike Riley and the reason why his numbers look so good right now is just cause you know, uh, how many touchdowns did he have five this week? Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's like he's been having those kinds of weeks. Florida is like like every other week now, kind of, where they're like, where he'll just absolutely torch a team, and it'll be like ridiculous numbers. And now it's starting to even out that bad start of the year. So I feel like just it it sort of looks like it's out of whack just because of how crazy good he's doing compared to how bad it was at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Good. Good yeah. point. That's fair. Uh, BC, their offense has looked really good, especially later in the year. Deron Carter looks to have figured it out. Um, yeah, he does. John White has looked great. Um, and even their offensive line, after they kind of fired their coach, uh, they're looking good too. So, Yeah, I people thought he, he was a scapegoat, but I mean, it's it's almost turned the team around it, quite a bit. It's working. Like, yeah, everyone's like, oh, you can't blame it all on the offensive line coach, but their old line's playing, like, they're playing pretty well right now, so, I mean. Yeah. Maybe that was a part of the problem, and we just didn't see it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, but I think you have to, in the offseason, I think you try to keep most of the critical pieces in that offense, and you look to kind of... Get some help on the defensive side. I think Sean Lemon has helped a lot on that D line oh, yeah. and adding him. But I think you probably could add some guys in that linebacking core, that secondary, to help out the team. Yeah, I, I was gonna say the secondary needs some help on that team. They got Aaron Grimes and uh, I think Anthony Orange, but uh, yeah, there's definitely some room for improvement on that team. But like you said, Jimmy, uh, build around it, and I think they can succeed next year and do a lot better. So, on to the CFL fantasy segment of our podcast. Um, so, for value picks this week, uh, you, you got very slim pickings. It's, I just have Caleb Pauly at around $3,000 and Herji Mayala at $2,500. Or, are there any guys that are 3500 and under that you would consider picking? Uh, the only ones, like, if you're that desperate and you need someone that low, um, yours are great. The only ones I would add would be maybe Jimmy Ralph with Toronto and Richard Sedani uh, with Calgary. And they're not high-scoring guys. They'll maybe give you five points or so. But, I mean, if you're left with under 3,500, uh, they're not bad options. Uh, yeah, I think you did a pretty good job with that one. Like with that select couple of players. Um, you know, I mean, with Mayala doing, you know, what he did last week. I mean, I'm not surprised you got him on there now. Um, yeah, I mean, like you said, slim pickings can't really do much besides those if you're looking for like cheap options that are actually viable. Yeah, true. And I know uh, Calgary, they've made a dedicated effort to involve uh, Mayala more in their offense. So I think he's a good pick if you're looking for someone cheap. Um, and who else did I have on there? Um, Caleb Hawley coming back. He He's, I think, that slot receiver in Ottawa's offense. So 
he's going to just see a lot of targets, so he's kind of going to be blessed with volume there and get points that way rather than, you know, any other way. It's just Ottawa doesn't have any weapons. <laughs> mm -hmm. So the best positional options this week, I have three quarterbacks. I have Vernon Adams at $11,000, uh, Mike Riley at just over 10000 and McLeod Bethel-Thompson at $8,300. What do you guys think of that? Uh, I think it's pretty good. I'm going a little risky at the moment. I have Cody Fajardo in against Calgary. Um, once I find out who Toronto's starter is, if it's McLeod Bethel-Thompson, I'm going to slap him in. Well, I mean, I made the mistake of not going with, uh, with Mike Riley last week because he's sort of been, you know, my continuous. He's been my Duran Carter, if you will. Oh. <laughs> but I didn't pick him last week, and my God, was that dumb. So you best believe I'm going back to him. Yeah, true. Um, Returning to Edmonton. Oh, yeah. That'll, yeah, that'll be that's, a revenge that's game for him. Good one. But, um, yeah, I think they announced McLeod's going to be the starter for this game. So that's why he's Ooh. on the list. Um, Jardo again, I wouldn't take him just because I don't like that matchup. Um, yeah, it's I, risky. Yeah, and I don't, it's really hard to find cheap quarterbacks. Like, all of the quarterbacks are ridiculously expensive now, so. But, yeah, I think McLeod will put up good numbers. And now for running backs, I have Andrew Harris at $9,400. John White at just under 8000 William Stanback at just under 7,300. And Don Jackson at over 6,400. And Shaq Cooper with Gable being hurt. He's currently not listed in fantasy, so I can't tell you his price. What do you guys think of that? Uh, I think pretty good. I got John White and Stanback in my lineup. Um, I mean, you could throw in Andrew Harris. Uh, he'll probably have a decent game. They're in Winnipeg, so he should play better. But you're going risky if you're picking someone like Powell this week against Calgary's defense. James Wilder is an interesting pick, but there's just so much inconsistency in Toronto. It's really hard to pick him. So I think he nailed it pretty good there. Yeah, I mean, in as my running back duo, I've got uh, got Don Jackson and uh, John White. So you know, two guys that you listed there. Um, I like the rest of the. I like the rest of the names there as well. I mean, if you're, <clears throat> I mean, I don't think Harris really justifies the uh, price tag at the moment, just with how he played last game. So I decided to go with uh, a little bit of the cheaper options, but still really good, you know, options at running back. It makes sense. The reason I have Harris in there is because his matchup's really good this week against a Montreal defense that surrenders a lot of points against the run, where Saskatchewan's kind of a lockdown defense. So I think you kind of look for a kind of more of a bounce back game from Harris this week. Now for receivers, I have Brian Burnham at just under eleven thousand, Darrell Walker at just under nine thousand dollars, and Devere Posey at sixty six hundred, Deron Carter at just under or over fifty four hundred, and Juan Bray at just over forty eight hundred. Um. Devon Smith at just over four thousand, and Josh Huff at just a little over thirty five hundred dollars. What do you guys think? 
Uh, pretty good. Uh, the only one I question is Quan Bray this week. You know, being in Winnipeg, and I'm sure Winnipeg is ticked off for losing other last couple games here. So, um, it's it that one's a little up in the air for me. Uh, the only other guy I have is uh, Ricky Collins, which is really risky too with Edmonton. Uh, there's just a lot of inconsistency there, but with the dollar amounts at forty nine. Uh, he is the only guy I could kind of slot in there. So, uh, yeah, I'm going with. Uh, I actually am going with uh, Quan Bray this week because when Ooh. I was when I was filling out my lineup, I realized that I had around seven thousand left to fill in um, my flex and a receiver. So I ended up going with uh, Mayala and Quan Bray for those spots. Makes sense. Nice. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like I, I like Quan Bray. I trust Quan Bray. So. He's going to be in there as long as Vernon Adams is the quarterback. Uh, I'm going to keep on, especially with him doing returns a bit too, although with Mario Alford having a good game, that might be in jeopardy. Um, yeah, overall, I think Juan will have a decent game uh, regardless of the matchup, especially with how Winnipeg's defense looked recently. Yeah, I hope so too. I mean, he's been putting up basically over 10 points a game, but I mean, he had zero against BC, so... I think there's a little bit of risk being in Winnipeg. That's the part that concerns me. Yeah, I would agree with that. Again, it's just Winnipeg's defense has been slumping and the chemistry. That's why he's there. Any, anyone else? Uh, no, I can't think of anybody else right no, now. You, yeah, you got it. Yep, and Deron Carter made the list, Taylor. Um, oh, absolutely. He, he's oh, time. looked better and better, yep. 22 so, points last week, 7 catches, 90 yards, and a touchdown. I can confidently recommend you Deron Carter in CFL Fantasy now. Time. <laughs> now, for the team defense people, uh, what I have is, if you're insisting on picking a defense this week out of Toronto with Will Arndt starting, um, I just don't think that they're going to produce that much. Uh, so I think Toronto could just be the way to go this week. Yeah, I agree. The only one I would think about, and it's very risky, is the BC Lions. They're 4300 bucks, but playing Logan Kilgore in Edmonton, it's Mike Riley's return to Edmonton again. So I, I think there's a chance they could have a good game against them, and especially facing elimination. So that that's a risky one, but that's the only other one I'd advise. I mean, yeah, I'm. I've been pretty adamant. I think ever since starting CFL fantasy this year, a couple of weeks in, I've only ever done a defense once. And yeah, this I'm not adding a second week this week. Not choosing a defense. I I don't see the point spending your money on a defense when you know, you know, when they get you ten points. That's supposed to be a good game, you know, from a defense. I don't like how I'm spending money on just 10 points like that when you can divvy up that cash somewhere else and get just better positional players. Yeah, that's 100% true. Uh, defenses aren't really worth what they you, they expect you to pony up for them hmm. most of the time. So That's why I also picked Toronto. Their defense is cheap. They're 3200 which is the yeah. minimum right now. So uh, yeah, I think if you have to, I'm personally not going with the defense right now, so uh, I would rock with Toronto if you have to. So, moving on to our lock picks, um, 
I have the one, the only Andrew Anabolic Harris. Um, <laughs> again, I like the matchup, uh, and I think against a poor Montreal run defense, he's going to do fairly well, and just probably having limited touches, he's probably going to be a bit more fresh for this game, too. Yeah, no, good point. Uh, I got John w- John White in this week. Um, for my lock, uh, the past six weeks, he's had one game with under 10 points in fantasy for rushing. So, uh, I mean, last week, 121 yards. The week before, he only had 80 yards, but he had a touchdown. So, uh, I think he's a good safe pick this week against Edmonton. Yeah, and I mean, I'm going with the I'm going with the old faithful. I'm going with Mike Riley. I he's usually my lock, and there's a reason for that. He gets his numbers now. So, you know, five touchdowns. You can't argue that. And coming against Edmonton in a must-win situation, I think he's going to produce not the same numbers, but he's going to do pretty well. Yeah, I think that's about right. That's a fair reason to pick Mike Riley. He's got a favorable matchup this week. Um, Edmonton's secondary hasn't been great for the second half of the year, so he's certainly a good player to go with this week. So for news this week, Will Arndt has been named the Ottawa Red Black starter against Toronto. Congratulations to Montreal for clinching their first playoff spot since 2014. And some CFL slash NFL news. Duke Williams scored his first touchdown in his first NFL game with the Buffalo Bills. Riders Cameron Judge got a concussion against Winnipeg and he's unsure if he'll play this week. Jim Pop was fired by the Argos, as we talked about earlier. Now, his replacement is Mike Pinball Clemens. Um, is the new GM for the... Uh, he's the new GM, so what does he bring to the table in the Argos front office? See, that's interesting. Like He was talking today about building the football culture there, but he's he's been on the sidelines, but I mean, he hasn't been involved in the behind the scenes stuff since 2009 I believe so I think it's going to take some adjusting but I really think and I really hope that they can turn things around. yeah I think it's gonna I think it's gonna help yeah it's really gonna help establishing a player culture it's uh it's yeah that's all I can really say don't know too much about the man so uh yeah hopefully he turns things around and hopefully the Argos actually get some players who want to be there and get a bit of a following. Oh yeah, but um Yeah, with pinball it's um I just I don't know what his front office experience is. I know he's a CFL legend. Um So, I think yeah, he's just a solid I think it's a good choice because he is familiar with the organization and its history. But at the same time, I don't know his experience. So I'm kind of mixed on the hire as it goes. Time will tell. Yep. And then CFL ran a simulation and there is a 52% chance, almost 53, that the BC Lions make the playoffs over the Edmonton Eskimos. Uh, So who do you guys see making it of the two? Uh, I, I think Edmonton has, like, it's in their hands. If they lose, or if they win one game, then they lock up that playoff spot. So 
Um, like I think BC does it, but it's up to Edmonton whether they do or not. Yeah, I I agree with the simulation this time. I think BC's got a slight edge, but yeah, like you said, Edmonton's only got to win once, so that's why it's a lot more close than what I feel like it would be like if if Edmonton had to win like two, it would probably be like seventy percent to thirty percent for BC. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Um. I think, yeah, I think BC has the edge here. Um, I think they're going to beat Edmonton. Spoiler alert for predictions, but I mean, clearly Edmonton is trending in the wrong direction. BC looks like they figured it out, so I think they beat Edmonton, and I think maybe they have a chance of stealing one more game and they sneak into the playoffs over Edmonton. And... So there has been trade talks between the Bombers and the Argos over Zach Kolaros being traded to Winnipeg. Um, but the Argos have several QBs available. Which of them would you take and why? Well, yeah, that's the thing. They have five quarterbacks on their roster. Um, if it was me, I would be pushing for McLeod Bethel-Thompson. Uh, he has the one of the lower contracts. Like, Franklin's isn't... Uh, astonishing but McLeod signed for almost a league minimum so uh, and I think he's been the best out of all those guys Zach has his health issues so I'm picking McLeod I mean yeah I agree with that I think McLeod is the best guy to take I mean I think that Winnipeg would be offering so much for Bethel Thompson and what are the odds that Toronto actually you know get Bethel Thompson back so for me, I'd I'd almost take the trigger on this deal, and then, like at least, if he walked away in the off season, at least you're getting something for him. And who knows, Bethel Thompson might even dip out of Winnipeg, and you'll have another shot at signing him again. Exactly, it's like a loan almost. I guess for me, it's um, I think that Macbeth is the best quarterback, but at the same time, he's going to cost you a lot in terms of assets you'd have to be giving up and so and then Kalaros I don't think he's good enough to step in and play right now I mean he just started throwing a football again a couple weeks ago um so I think you kind of go in the middle ground there and I think you pick up James Franklin because he's not going to cost you as much to get and he's still a capable quarterback, I think. Uh, I know he's struggled in Toronto, but that seems to be more of a system issue than a him issue. Um, so I think if you have to get one of the quarterbacks, I think uh, Franklin's going to be probably best bet in terms of, you know, price. Um, and yeah, I think McLeod, he stays in Toronto. That offense was fairly effective when he was running the show. Uh so I think they might want to keep him just because he fits the system the best of the quarterbacks they have. You guys got anything to add? I'm um, good. Yeah, it's just it's it's a it's a weird situation, especially with you know, well for us, at least. like this is all gonna be like all mute tomorrow, like depending on what happens. Yeah, but, true. Like I mean, right now the night before. It's crazy because I feel like out of Bethel Thompson, Calaris, and Franklin, literally any of those names could pop up as like the headline trade. Absolutely. 
Over under, uh, over under one of them gets traded. Or one and a half, sorry. One and a half over under. Uh, the under, I think? Yeah, I'm going to say one gets traded. I'm, I'm also going under because I don't. I think that they want to keep two quarterbacks so they could negotiate with both and hopefully keep one for next year. Because if they're, if they trade away two, that's almost putting their eggs in one basket there. I, I'm going over. I'm saying two because uh, Ooh, really, yeah. Who do you think? Who do you think gets dealt? I think both Kolaros and Franklin get dealt because okay. for a couple of reasons. One, um, Franklin, there's no chance he resigns in Toronto. They've made it clear. They don't really want him, and I don't think he really wants to be there either. He doesn't. No. And um, Zach probably never sees the football field again um, after this season, just for his own health. Yeah. And yeah. then I'm gonna I'm gonna totally disagree with you on that though, because really? Toronto is yeah Toronto is looking to sign Caleros long term, whether that's two years, but like Why? when Winnipeg. I don't know, but Winnipeg <laughs> reached out to them today and said, look, we want Caleros, and they said, well, how about you take Franklin instead? So oh, I wow. think they got plans. That's true. Yeah, I think That's they have true. plans to strange. keep Caleros around. And uh, it is strange I, I don't think so. And hold on to him. I, I yeah, don't understand and, that at all. I think he well, retires. Well, here's the thing. What other reason would you want to hold on to him for? Yeah. Exactly. Like He's not like, going to start sure. for you next year. Uh, well, he could. Well, uh, I'm sure if Caleros if Calaris is going to retire, I'm assuming that he would have let Toronto know by now, and they're just keeping it under wraps, saying, like, yeah. hey, I'm going to retire. I so think like, for health reasons, he should retire. Will he? I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I I, don't know. I don't see him. Um, I just don't see him being around next year, being the guy next year, especially in a talented uh, Asian class of quarterbacks year i just i don't see him sticking around for the argos i see him probably getting dealt to either edmonton or winnipeg and then same with franklin one of them will get dealt to the other place and Toronto will try to stack up on assets hmm. so on to our game day q segment um First game of the week, Ottawa versus Toronto. Uh, well, Art performed well against the Argonauts secondary. I think he's got a chance to perform well, but whether it happens or not will be different. I mean, it's his first game starting, so uh, I, I think it could happen. And is, this week's the week to do it, if any week. Yeah, how scary would it be if he had like an awful week against Toronto here? Yeah, really. Um... I think he I think he has a decent week. Uh I don't think he's gonna be the Toronto or Ottawa's answer at quarterback. Um I just yeah. I, I really I don't think they have an answer in house to that problem, honestly. <laughs> so next is Saskatchewan versus Calgary. Can Sask solidify that they are the best of the West and win this game? Uh you know what? I think they can. I, it's a totally different team when they lost 37-10 to uh, early on in the season. And I think, yeah, I think Saskatchewan has a really good chance of taking it in Calgary. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that like Saskatchewan can solidify. Um, I, best in the West, like, it's weird because like, I'd still put 
Saskatchewan and Calgary, regardless of how this game goes, I'd put them like with each other. But if Saskatchewan wins, I'd edge, you know, I'd edge Saskatchewan over Calgary if, if they win. Yeah, I think yeah. um I think Sask could probably win this game. Um I just hope they don't get it into their heads too much of how bad they lost the first time. Um, but I think overall they come out with a win in this game after kind of steamrolling the blue bombers here. I, I think for this game, whoever scores first, whoever scores the first touchdown, I'll say, is going to win the game. Yeah, that might not be too far off. Yeah. So, on to Montreal versus Winnipeg. Can Winnipeg bounce back after, uh, against a tough opponent? Their losses are kind of starting to pile up here. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I don't think they're going to do it this week. Uh, Montreal is rolling. You know, they got Vernon Adams back last week, and things didn't fire on all cylinders, but I think they're going to this week. Like, well, It's going to be tough, though, with it being in Winnipeg. I, I think that's going to be a really close game. Um, I think I'm actually going to take the opposite stance, a rare disagreement in the CFL podcast. <laughs> um, I, think that, uh, I think that Winnipeg is going to do it just because you know, they've got that fire underneath them. And, you know, I'm sure a couple of the players, I know for a fact that a couple of the players are not happy with Vernon Adams. Um, so they're, they're excited for this game. And I think the defense especially is really going to take it and try and keep them just to as few points as they can get, you know? Yeah, I think with Winnipeg being at home, I think that makes all the difference in the world for this team. Um so I think yeah they can bounce back but it will be a close game because Montreal has proven that they are they can really beat anybody this year. So yeah, I think Winnipeg can pull us off but they'll have to really work for it. Now on to BC versus Edmonton. Can Edmonton put up a competitive fight against BC? Yeah, see that. Oh, I like. I I don't think BC is going to score fifty five for the rest of their games this year. But um, I I think it'll be closer. But I think BC walks away with it uh, by at least ten points. Um, I'm thinking around the same, maybe a little bit. Like I think I think Edmonton's going to give BC a good run, but I think BC is going to edge it out. Yeah, I think uh, I'm I'm more on. Taylor's side of this. Uh, I think BC is going to beat Edmonton and it's going to be a definitive win. It's not going to be like a, a three-point, you know, draw out. Mm. But just just in general, the way the teams are trending with Edmonton kind of fading out as the season ends and BC looks like they've finally figured it out. So I think BC pulls off the win in this game. I just really hope it's not too little too late for BC. You're right. It'd be a shame. Yeah, same here, because they're clearly the better team right now. So I, oh, yeah. I, I, I'm cheering for them to win. So let's hope that comes to fruition. Come on, Duran Carter. So on to our last segment of the week, our picks for next week's games. Um, I have Toronto beating... Ottawa, obviously, because Ottawa's just... I i think they lose out this year. I just, I don't know. I, I have no confidence in that team. I think Saskatchewan beats Calgary. I think that'll probably be the closest game of the week in terms of 
differential. Uh, so that one can kind of go either way, in my opinion. And then Winnipeg versus Montreal, I am going with Winnipeg. Uh, again, mostly because they're at home, and I think they kind of need this win to get their confidence back. And again, with the way these teams are trending, I have BC beating Edmonton. Yeah, um, I think we had the same disagreement with Montreal winning and losing last week uh, there, Jimmy. But I have Toronto winning, Saskatchewan beating Winnipeg, or sorry, Saskatchewan beating Calgary, Montreal beating Winnipeg this week, and BC beating Edmonton. And I've got Toronto over Ottawa because, obviously, I've got... Saskatchewan over Calgary. Um, that's actually so much of a toss-up. I had to scroll down and check my pick just to make sure I didn't mess that up. Uh, I think Winnipeg is going to take it over Montreal again at home. I feel like they have the chip on their shoulder because of what happened last time they played. And I think that BC is just a better team than Edmonton right now, so I'm picking them to win that game. That makes sense. Uh, that concludes the show. Um, and find our podcast on... YouTube, Spotify, or SoundCloud, we upload every single Wednesday for as long as the season goes, and then we'll talk about what we're going to do from there. But, yeah, like the podcast, share it with your friends, and if you're on YouTube, subscribe. Um, This is the True North CFL Podcast, signing off.